This is Self Care You with Scott, and on today's episode, we've been invited into the world of mixed martial arts with Kyle the Bull Sleeman. It's no secret that in order to compete at the highest level, you need to be dedicated to your craft. Kyle's father was a mixed martial artist, which led to Kyle throwing punches and kicks in his living room when he was just two years old. Now Kyle's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, a silver medalist at the IBJJF Toronto Open, competed in the Worlds in Las Vegas, and has one of the nastiest armbar submissions on YouTube. This is Self Care You, and we're about to level up with Kyle the Bull Sleeman. Welcome. I appreciate you being here today to hear this conversation with Kyle the Bull Sleeman. It's a pretty awesome conversation because some people have this stigma of mixed martial artists. They think that they're just these monsters that just continuously beat people up, which is absolutely junk. Kyle is very knowledgeable when it comes to mixed martial arts, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and what it takes for you to compete at the highest level. His understanding of the sport is respectful and absolutely nothing like the stigma that some people have. So I'm excited to just get into the conversation. Here's Kyle the Bull Sleeman. Let's jump right into it. On today's show, we have Kyle the Bull Sleeman. Kyle, how you doing today, man? Hey, what's going on, bro? How are you? Yeah, things are good. I can't complain other than, you know, we're in the middle of this COVID lockdown. So we got another few days inside the house. How are you doing during this time? Oh, not too bad, man. You know what? I, uh, I look at everything differently, right? I see everything as opportunity. This is my opportunity to get ahead in certain things, and uh, that's what I'm doing right now, fitness-wise, right? So, hey, That's a great mindset. I was just going to ask you, how does a guy like yourself, a high-level athlete like yourself, going through COVID, going through lockdowns, what's training look like for you? As a martial artist, adaptability is the biggest key for us, right? So we never let anything get us down. we got to adapt to the situation at hand. So I just find a different avenue to – to flow down so I'm just doing more outside running and my fitness stuff outside and you know push-ups sit-ups lifting weights that I have at home hitting the bag and things like that I'm staying fit but obviously it's hard to make uh, major athletic progress but uh, I'm definitely taking the opportunity to work on weaknesses that I would normally never address if I was focused on competing yeah it's tough too right you know yeah. uh, we've had many conversations you know I'm a boxer I love I love the fight game. I love the fight world. And for, for me over COVID, man, I just had to have my bag. I had to have my speed bag. You know, I have to make sure that I can at least release that frustration. I imagine you probably got the same kind of thing going on at home or. Oh yeah. I got my bag right here. I got another bag over there hanging that I kick. Uh, I just practice my, my shadow boxing. And sometimes, you know, you can go on YouTube and you can find like type in like advanced Muay Thai techniques and then just, just drill those over and over and over. You can find so many good techniques online and then you just, it's just about repetition, right? That's, that's all martial arts is, is you find a technique and you repetition reps, reps, reps. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, I've known you for a long time, like I mentioned, and anyone who knows Kyle, the bull Sleeman knows that you're a guy who loves MMA. I want to get back to the roots though. Let's get back to what made you fall in love with it. All right. So ultimately, when I was uh, born, my father was a martial artist uh, in Taekwondo. And that was, um, 
that's what I grew up in. So I, I like I was around it from, from day one, punching and kicking probably before I could walk, um, things like that. Um, and I remember it was 1993. I watched UFC one on the black box with my father and I would have been 10 years old. And I remember watching it live and I thought, wow, that's, that's some incredible stuff. And, uh, yeah, but it didn't dawn on me to find that art because that wasn't around here at the time. Right. So, so I basically just, I did Taekwondo through growing up and things like that. I competed a lot in Taekwondo growing up. I, I was all over the place every weekend I was competing. So, yeah. Um, so what's so, that? Does that look like um, regular tournaments every weekend? Is there, cause you know, I come from a world of, of playing basketball where we're gone every weekend, but then in the winter months I'd play hockey where we have a league play. Uh, even when, you know, when I got into boxing, it was, you know, you might go to the gold gloves, you might go to the bronze gloves, events like that. Is that kind of the same setup for Taekwondo? Yeah, so they have like um, local tournaments, they have regional tournaments, provincial tournaments, national size tournaments, international size tournaments, things like that. And so what age does that roughly start about? And you start See, at like now, I, I'm out of the Taekwondo scene nowadays, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure when, when that starts. But I believe I started competing around eight, I would say. Eight right. years old, I started competing. That's pretty Sorry? crazy to think, man, that – You've been going at it since you're eight years old. But then, then again, I think about stuff that I do now and I've been doing it because I love it since I was a little kid. Right. And it's, it's about the journey, I guess. And clearly, obviously you're dedicated to your craft, but I want the listeners to pay attention to this. You already know this obviously, but I just want to kind of give an example of your grind. So in 2009, you became a blue belt in 2013, you were a purple belt, 2017, a brown belt. And then yep. 2019, you got your black belt. Now, that, that yep, doesn't show right. dedication, then I don't know what is, man. Yeah, man. And you know what? During, during that 13 and a half years, it took me. So when I found Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I found I come from a judo background. Um, after I did Taekwondo, I did judo for about six years with Maple Leaf Judo Club. And then I found Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in uh, like 2005 or six, And basically through that journey, yeah, it's been so many tournaments, so much hardship. Um, so I've went through surgeries, man. Like, and the training, man. Like the training, I'm talking like twice a day, five days a week. Your nutrition has to be sharp in order to keep your body, you know, put together, right? I would, I would think at at the level of black belt, you have now not necessarily conquered all, but you're at the you know, you're getting close to the top of the mountain or whatever that goal set might be. I would imagine that looking back, you must find that you took a little bit of time to reflect on what you went through. It must have been a ton of stuff that you went through in 13 years to get to the black belt, no? Yeah, absolutely, man. And and here's a, here's a crazy thing. So like, just for example, at Blue, just the years I was at Blue Belt, when I look back at it, I think I probably did 26 tournaments as a Blue Belt. And most of those tournaments are between one and four or five fights per tournament, right? If you get beat out first round, okay, well, you had one fight. But to go to the gold medal or silver medal, sometimes you got to fight five fights in all within a couple hours, right? An hour and a half even sometimes. So the amount of competitions I've done, and then when I think, like, it took eight-week training camp to do every one of those, man, it's 
it's it's really crazy to look back on. Like I don't know where the time's gone, to be honest. Well, you're having fun, right? And everyone yeah. says, uh, you know, things go by way quicker when you're having a good time, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Dine- thing is, at the time, it doesn't feel like a long time because I'm sitting here with ice packs on my knees and right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's yeah. like I get, I just got to get through this night. My ribs. I'm interested to ask you this question because I'm a huge Mike Tyson fan and yeah. boxing fan, and a lot of Mike Tyson speaking have said that in his older age now of where he is, you know, he just fought a month ago, fought Roy Jones. Mm -hmm. And he stated that his ego takes over his body when he's in fight condition, when he's ready and prepared to go in and combat against somebody. And Mm -hmm. I just, I just listened to you tell me that you're pretty much 7-Eleven open all day, ready to go whenever you can. Right. And being prepared for that. Does that affect your ego or how do you control your ego when you're always prepared to just go to battle all the time? Ultimately, over time of of trying your best, showing up after hard training camp and showing up to a tournament and, and ready to fight and getting knocked down in 30 seconds, bouncing back up from that makes you a different person. I, I have I have the the that savage mentality, but also you have to have the mentality of like a controlled aggression, right? So there is a really savage mindset that you want to hurt your like not hurt your opponent i mean like you want to go full force but you don't want to go fast enough that you can make a mistake right right i always tell people that if you can't be the commentator inside your own head while you're going you're going too quickly right and and i think listen kyle you didn't say anything bad there man there's a part of an element that when i go into box and i'm fighting you and i'm sparring I'm coming for it. <laughs> like it's simple right. as that. Right. And you know, however you want to perceive it, this is what we're in. We're in, we're in a combat sport. Right. Uh, so you have to come prepared for that element. And, you know, so nothing, nothing bad to say that you, you know, you're, you're ready to rip someone's head off or something like that, that you can get pumped up for whatever you need to be. But I understand too. I learned this through boxing that moving too quick and not having patience leaves you open and then closes your door for the opening if that makes sense, being patient and, you know, watching that, you know, maybe it's you're parrying, you're, you're, you're ready for that punch. And then when you're patient and you can see it open, it's almost like you've got to another level, right? You got to a next level where you understand the game a little bit better, right? Yeah. Yeah. Understanding the game is a very big part of uh, being competitive too, because there's so much to every game more than you actually realize, right? Yeah. And very much so this day-to-day grind that I'm talking about, this, you know, animal inside of you to, to, for physical contact. I'm interested in the day-to-day grind that you're going through right now. What does that look like for you? Ultimately, it's hard to say right now, but if we go back to like two weeks before COVID. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yep. Let's go to that. So like, for example, a, a day off work would be like, I would wake up in the morning and I would go train jujitsu for a couple hours. Then I would come home and I would eat and take a nap maybe and then do some weights and then go back and do jiu-jitsu again in the evening for a couple hours again. And the couple hours consists of, you know, five-minute matches over and over and over, maybe 15 rounds of that. That's just a normal workout. Our, our, guys, our, our guys that are just even blue belts right now, they're used to rolling or, or grappling five-minute matches for two hours. They have to be used to that. You know, that's normal for us that's not that's not even hard training that's just normal 
Right. Just basic stuff. Same thing, you know, in boxing, if we were going to fight in a boxing Ontario fight for three rounds, we would set ourselves up a 12 round spars. You know, we'd go one V ones, which is just another guy rolls in after three rounds, you push yourself yep. to the limit so that you're prepared for that. Right. Um, yeah. And you're also running on top of that and you're doing all kinds of other stuff too. Right. So let me understand what that looks like. Let's say we're two weeks out from competition. How often are you at the gym then? So two weeks out from competition, I'm, I'm beginning my process of slowing down and I'm looking to start peaking to that way I can perform on fight day or competition day. So let's say five weeks out, six weeks out, four weeks out, I'm at the peak of my training. At that point, I'm going a lot of volume and very high intensity. So I'll be doing three-hour workouts, very, very intense. Right. That's the, that's the meat or the bulk of the training, and that would be hard, hard, hard grind where you're really at risk of injury, your calories are low because you're getting your body weight down, um, you're watching what you're eating, or else you're not – if you have too much sugar in your diet, you're not going to make it. Like, but well, then you- as I get to – as I get two weeks down, I'm, it's, it's t- all the hard work has been done and it's time to start freshening up the body and recovering the body from 12 weeks of beating it down. It's inflamed. It's sore. It's, it's got to start recovering. That way you're fresh and you're fast for competition day. I know you've been at your craft, man, for a long time, right? At Bruckman's most of your time, I would imagine. I'm interested to hear some of these inside stories you have because I definitely got some stories from – you know, with me in the gym and uh, I trained out of Motor City and then and then over to Jamestown for a little bit. Now my garage. But I imagine that you got some pretty good stories, maybe uh, some competitions that you went to that kind of like checked that box off for things that you really tried to get at. Is there a, a competition that you really loved or? Well, you know what? Each and every competition has its own story um, there, because the story is built leading up to it. Um going through hardship each competition has an injury that i had to fight through each competition had my own fears and doubts and insecurities within my own head that i had to battle so each and every one of those is a little story in itself but um the funnest ones are when you you get together as a team like example i went to montreal one time and you know you you cut weight as a team you train hard as a team 12 weeks and yeah, you, you go travel and everybody competes, you fight hard and then you go out and party after and, you know, and there's all kinds of stories that, that stick to you after one of those nights, right? After yeah. a good, uh, a good hard fight and you go out drinking and cause us guys, like we're rough and tough guys. That it is. So you get a couple drinks into us after a competition and we're pretty yeah. crazy. Someone, fun. Start, someone starts trying to put someone in an arm bar in the hotel elevator (laughs) yeah pretty much but uh, i'm too old for that now well one thing i definitely am interested to talk to you about is vegas i know that this is the world stage this event and i'd love for you to take me through it you know take me through what your prep kind of looked like and then what it looked like getting there nutrition wise and uh, let us know kind of what it was like being at that experience at that level Yes, through the year of 2019, it was my last year as a brown belt, and um, I was just got over an injury, and I I just thought all years get him in my year for competitions. I just right off the hop, first day into first or second day into 2019, I went ahead and signed myself up for like eight competitions through the year. So I knew now I got to train, I got to get my shit together, 
and uh, it's time to go hard. There's no joking around this year. I got to go. Right. And, uh, but the thing is every year I say that, right. But every year you learn a little bit more and you're able to push that, that much harder. But yeah, so I basically competed through the year. So my whole year I used as a training camp leading up to the worlds in Vegas, which was in August. Yeah. So I competed leading up to August and that was all a part of my preparation. And I did a lot of strength and conditioning, um, three, four days a week on top of twice a day, jujitsu training judo training wrestling training all that mixing all that in figuring out strategies game planning a lot of off the mat studying yeah and then my training camp went amazing i a week out from competition i was exhausted yeah but you should be and i peaked good and i think i left for vegas probably five pounds overweight which was right on point yep because i knew once i got there i had a week to just nice and easily go for runs and sweat it out and uh, yeah, I basically weighed in at, I want to say 0.8 underweight. Perfect. Felt great. Uh, where did they, where do they have it? Where did they hold it? It was at the Las Vegas Intervent, uh, International Convention Center. Oh yeah. Ma- this massive place. It's honestly like half the size of Oshawa, man. It's huge. Yeah. They're big, right? And, and, <laughs> and you can find yourself there in Vegas, just like popping into anything. I remember last time I went there, I went with my brother and we were, I think we were just going to go, I can't remember what casino it was, but they had like just a full card of boxing and mixed martial arts. So you kind of get everything right. I walked into this place. It was just huge. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, you know, how big these little places or you feel like they're little, but it's because you're on the strip and you're just stuck on the strip and everything is massive. Right. Dude, it's crazy, man. I couldn't even believe it. Like even my wife said the other day, like we were watching a movie and they showed Vegas from like the sky and it looks so little. She's like, Oh my God, it looks so small. But man, when you're there and I'm going for like five K runs or whatever, I'm like, Whew, I barely even went anywhere. Yeah. Like five K took me nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. A funny, crazy. I'll tell you a funny story. I was out there in Vegas and uh, underestimated the walk. Okay. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Uh, my first time to Vegas, my brother and I decided we would, you know, just do it cheap, man. We were, in, I was still in college. I think I went, we were at the stratosphere Yeah. and you underestimate the walk. You're like, Oh yeah, man, I could do this. This is no problem. Like it's like from my house to the Oshawa center, this is no big deal. Right. Yeah. Well, that's only because the stratosphere is massive and you're so high. Right. Up, right? And it's, at the, it's right on the edge too. Right. Yeah. And you know what? We got walking in the dead heat and you realize that you're not ready for that, <laughs> but they do have oh. one of the best transit systems around. So that was really good. <laughs> you know, Vegas is an experience by itself. We all know what Vegas is. Vegas is fight city. So I imagine when you arrived there, you were pumped and ready to go. What does nutrition look for, like during this time as you're leading up to a competition? So ultimately I wanted to, I knew that scientifically, you have you basically have to be under a certain amount of calories to lose weight and be over a certain amount of calories to gain weight right so i just have to be under 2000 calories per day that week to drop the amount of weight that i needed so i'm basically eating you know 500 calorie meals but it's in quality nutrient dense foods not calorie dense foods so i'm able to eat a lot of food as long as it's nutrient dense and not calorie dense. So I'm eating like, um, you know, you can get those bowls, like those veggie bowls. Right. Yep. You get veggie bowls with a piece of fish on it, things like that. Um, eggs are good. And also it depends if I wake up 
the next morning and I've dropped a little more weight than I needed to, then there's a perfect opportunity that I can carb load a little bit and get some glycogen in my muscle cells. So in that instance, my diet kind of is based upon the weight I've been at that morning in that weigh-in because I'll weigh in in the morning and see where I'm at. And that weight will dictate how I play my day out. So depending on, you know, how your day's going, I imagine fight day was, was pretty relaxed. What were the results there? How did that turn out for you? So we went to uh, the international convention center and man, I couldn't have, I couldn't have been more prepared, hard sprints, hard training, hard, everything. I couldn't have been more prepared. And all I could think is like right in the bullpen before my name was called, all I could think is how grateful I was for the opportunity. There's so many people that, that are injured that would die to be there. So many people that didn't have money to get a plane ticket to be there. Right. And so I just took that opportunity and just, I felt so good. I didn't, I wasn't ready to kill anybody. I just went in there so grateful and, uh, and I was able to compete really good. And because of that mindset. And so I was able to get my hand raised in, in my first match was, which was a major goal for me. Yeah. Great. And, uh, yeah. So my next match, I was, unfortunately I lost, uh, my opponent hit me with a, a sweep halfway through the match and scored two points on me. So he was able to get the win and move on in the competition. Yeah. But you know what, man, self-care you is about promoting positivity, right? And yeah. sh- showing how people can level up. And so I just kind of want to take that example to show our listeners that, you know, you got your hand lifted in a world championship that has to do something for your confidence that has to let you know that, you know, there's enough. Now I'm here, man. I leveled up, right. I'm at a different level now. I got to keep pushing forward. Right. It gave me a a confidence boost. Yes. But it also reassured me that I'm on the right track and to keep going. Yeah, exactly. Right. And sometimes you just need that little validation in what you have going on. You just need to feel that, that the work is, is coming out, right? That's it, brother. That's it, man. Cause you don't see every day you're in the mirror. You look in the mirror at yourself. You don't notice your hair growing on your face cause you're looking at yourself every day. Right. So you don't notice progress from years of hard hardships. Right. Well, and this is great because I really want the listeners to pay attention to all these questions that I'm asking you and the answers that you're giving me show the dedication, show the drive. So that if you continue to be positive yeah, you're going to have some negative times where you're going to slip into some slumps and, you know, you might doubt yourself, but if you continue to push forward, you continue to be positive, good things can come, right? You can compete at the world stage. And I'm sure this isn't it for Kyle, the bull Sleeman. I'm sure you're going to take a run at, at more competitions when we get the opportunity to do so. I do know that all this came from probably the benefit of going to Globetrotter camp. I've learned about this a little bit that it's an elite camp and I watched you while you were there and I'm really interested to hear about this camp because me not being an MMA guy, I look for the camaraderie of going, you know, if I'm going to go to a gym and, and spar with some guys or it's not the same thing. We just don't show up and, and fight each other. Whereas uh, it, I feel like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has a little bit of a, more of a brothership. Uh, maybe you can kind of give us a little bit of lowdown on what that is. The Globe Charter camps is pretty, pretty cool idea. Basically, the first time I went to a camp, it was in Maine, um, and uh, the Bruckman guys came with me. And uh, we stay in a cabin. They got meals throughout the day that they feed you. There's kayaking, swimming, all kinds of hiking, different fishing, all kinds of activities that you can do if you're 
if you're hurt or exhausted and don't want want to continue training for the day. It's more of a, it's not like a hard, hard grind. You can grind hard if you want to train every day, but it's more of a sharing information. And yeah, we're training hard, but it's more of a marathon. Everybody's training at 50% because it's a marathon. It's like eight hours a day of training for five days that the camp is going on. So if you're training balls out the first day, well, you're not going to make it the next day, let alone four more after that. Right. So it's more of a marathon. Everybody's chill. It gathers people from all walks of life, from all areas of the world. Right. And it's pretty cool to hear other people's stories and hardships because the thing is this journey of martial arts, it's the same as life. It's, built upon hardship after hardship after hardship that's it and in life most people try and they get a hardship and they try and avoid that they try and avoid hardships right and that's why they don't build character they have to deal with the hardships and move on to the next one and that's what builds character right and you hear people's stories and that helps you as well self-care you level up is exactly that in the sense that you might have gone through some shit. It might not have been good, but you went through it. And now you know what it's like to never go back to that spot. So now you're at a spot where you're no longer going backwards and you're only going forward. And you can continue to progress on whatever your goal is. Very much the same thing that you're going through, right? Like it's, it's set there so that, you know, maybe you get beat. So what? You go back to the tape. Uh, you try and figure it out and really try and see how you can become better. I coach basketball at a very high level in this community with kids going to college and they want it right away. They want to be able to do this. They want to understand it, but you have to realize that it takes time and repetition for you to build that muscle memory so that it just becomes natural. Right. That's right. And we talk a little bit about what you said earlier in the conversation about not moving too quick, right? Being patient and, and understanding that, well, if you don't have those reps and you don't have that muscle memory in that time when you're supposed to make that move or you're supposed to do that right play or whatever it is that you're doing, you might not do it because you haven't had the reps. You haven't put in exactly. the, time, the effort. You've hesitated or did it wrong. And that's the same with life. If life, if you're stuck in a situation where you've got to, you got to make a decision and move now, you got to do it. You got to be, you got to be prepared. That's why this type of training prepares you for life because you got to be ready to make that move. Yeah, right. very you much. You gotta be so. confident in that. I agree with you 100, percent man. I know in this community, there's been some changes with Bruckman's uh, closing because of because of the COVID situation. I'm really interested now that you're a black belt. I want to hear about what it takes to train with uh, Professor Bull. Are you teaching kids at this time? Are you teaching new members? Unfortunately, um, Bruckman's is closed due to the uh, lockdowns and things like that. Right. Um, yeah. And there's been a lot of clubs that have closed for things like that. But right now there's nothing going on. I don't think of anything's going on anywhere. Um, everything's locked down in Ontario and Quebec. Let's think about, we get out of this lockdown. Shit, man, this COVID lockdown is just too much, but let, let's think we just get out of this thing. And you're now in a gym where you got people coming in. Are you going to be teaching? Are you going to be, you know, showing some of the craft to? Yeah, absolutely. I'm an instructor, um, before COVID and, and currently obviously, but we're not open, uh, at Cal Samurai martial arts. Right. And okay. they're, uh, they're a Muay Thai Academy and yeah. they have Bruckman Jiu Jitsu there and things like that. So I teach uh, Bruckman Jiu Jitsu, which is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. 
um, out of that gym. So hopefully as soon as uh, COVID's all done and the lockdowns come to an end, that gym's going to be up and running. But uh, you never know it, what happens with these uh, crazy restrictions. So, Yeah, it's tough, man. You know, it's such a stressful time for people. And, and I really am interested to hear, you know, if we are at normal times, what you might tell, let's say you had a little one come into your to your gym and their parents are there and they want to know why they should come to you, what types of thing their children are going to learn from coming to learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, things like that. What, what would you say to a parent as to why their child should come and start training at a young age? Well, I would just tell them the truth. And the truth is martial arts is more valuable than swimming lessons. Swimming lessons is very valuable, but you're around more potential attackers than you're around water. When was the last time you were on the edge of a dock or on the edge of a creek bed? Probably a while ago. When was the last time you were around a potential attacker? Today at Food Basics. Yep. So you got to watch yourself, right? So the art, the knowledge of self-defense is priceless. Absolutely priceless. My least concern and my biggest confidence in myself through life is that I'll never be, I'll, I'll never be, harmed in an attack i've always i'm always ready for it. i'm always prepared for it yeah if if something was to ever happen that's just practice for me yeah and so it sucks that I, we're in a world like that where that comes into play you know because i remember in my last little bit of, of uh boxing i remember two key statements that come out one being patience so i've learned right. so much about myself and patience and, mm-hmm. and humility and understanding that you know my nose is going to be bleeding, but you know, I'm going to get better from this. But at the same time on the same thing that you're talking about, about protecting myself, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I'm might be the only person who understands punches and bunches. (laughs) You know what I mean? I know know you, but you know, unless you're in that situation, but I'm not attacking. No martial artist is attacking you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. right? Exactly. You learn respect and you learn patience and you know, you learn to wait a situation out and you can always tell when you come across somebody who has been on the mats or has been in the yep. gym in the ring because they know that they can they can hold out until the last moment that they most desperately need to before it becomes an yep. issue. So that's a you know that's a key skill for parents to understand. You know they might not be thinking about it when their child is five years and, old, but when you yeah, come down and the you line, know what? Like you learn you learn swimming lessons so you can have fun swimming, but you also learn swimming lessons so you don't have to ever need it. Right. Exactly. Right. Same with fighting. You learn how to fight so you never have to use it and you can use it for fun instead as an art. It's definitely true. Right. Listen, Kyle, I appreciate you taking the time and to talk to us a little bit about, you know, your life and the things that you're going through. I feel you have a, a unique lifestyle that not a lot of people totally understand. I think some people just think like you're the type of person that just goes to the bottom of someone's basement and they have this makeshift cage and we all fight when it's not even close to being that. It's legit, it's organized, and it's a skill set at which uh, it's very difficult to master. So kudos to you, my man, for getting that black belt. I really want you to, to make sure that everyone knows where your social media stuff is because I love watching Kyle the Bull Sleeman's. Like I said in my intro, one of the nastiest YouTube videos is you throwing that arm bar in your competition. So why don't you put your socials out there so everybody knows where they can see your stuff? Uh, thanks, man. It's uh, it's an honor for me to be on the air here with you. So uh, yeah, uh, my Instagram is at Sleejitsu, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got. It's just uh, Instagram. 
I'll tell so you check this. Out some of my stuff. I post some nutrition stuff. I post uh, techniques and some fun things like that. So I'm sure if you Google Kyle the Bull Sleeman, you're going to get through a lot of YouTube stuff. Um, Kyle, thanks as always, man. I appreciate the time. Hey, thanks a lot, brother. I really appreciate your time. All right, buddy. Be well. Thanks goes out to Kyle for sharing his journey with us today. But I wanted to take a moment to remind everyone about the story of Michael Phelps. 19 Olympic medals, 8 gold medals in 1 Olympic Games, and considered to be the greatest Olympic swimmer of all time. The interesting thing about Phelps is that at a young age he suffered from ADHD. Most people believe that those suffering from ADHD continuously are restless or have a short attention span. But the positive side of that is that they also have the capacity to remain hyper-focused when they're enjoying what they're doing. Michael did exactly this, and at the age of seven, he would visualize his success before he competed. So if you're struggling to get to your goal, stay patient, focused, and as the bull mentioned, don't move too quick. Remember, if you have an awesome story that you'd like to share, feel free to reach out to us at selfcareupodcast at gmail.com. Or look us up on Instagram at selfcareu underscore level up. This is Selfcare U, and we definitely leveled up today with Kyle the Bull Sleeman. Mm-hmm.